Thanks everybody for downloading the latest edition of the All Lions podcast, made possible thanks to SI.com and Fan Nation. I am the Doc John Macaroon here today to break down the Detroit Lions' victory over the Washington Commanders. The team sits at one and one, and a lot of great news to talk about. Winning cures all. It's just the bottom line. The vibe around town has been so much better since the Detroit Lions were able to walk away from Ford Field, their second game consecutively at Ford Field, walking away with a nine-point victory. There was so much positivity, so much juice, energy that was produced by getting that first victory. You got to remember, the Detroit Lions played damn near half a season in 2021 without a victory, beyond half a season before they earned their first victory against the Minnesota Vikings, whom they will take and uh, face this weekend. One and one, the Detroit Lions sit. And it's a great indication of where this rebuild is at. It's a real good indication that the Detroit Lions are really buying into Dan Campbell and really putting up a good fight. Everybody that watched that first half performance said the same thing. What they watched at Ford Field was not the Detroit Lions. They were like, what is this team doing? This is a team that's being productive defensively, getting the Washington Commanders way out of rhythm, scoring points, being able to take advantage of mistakes of the Commanders, and the Detroit Lions were able to perform at a high level. And something that I want to start this podcast by addressing and talking about is something that occurred in the second half that quarterback Jared Goff recently addressed in a radio interview. So later on in the podcast, we'll talk about the great play of the offense. We'll talk about what could be done differently on the defense and how the offense, despite scoring that many points, is still leaving points on the table. So a lot of good things that will occur on this week's All Lions podcast. But something that Jared Goff touched on in a recent radio interview with the Lions flagship radio station was very interesting. He's got a weekly hit with 97-1 the ticket, and he talks to the Midday Show. And something that he said that he addressed was real interesting. And you could sense it in the crowd, online, via Twitter, those that message me at Detroit Podcast. You could get a sense that when the commanders were able to make their comeback, because you knew at halftime you recognize, okay, the Lions are playing well. They're moving the football. The commanders look all out of sorts. They don't look like a football team that is running, uh, is playing uh, effectively, not moving the chains. Carson Wentz was not uh, finding his receivers at the same clip that he did week one. So you look at it and everybody's kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it happened. The commander started making plays. The receivers started getting open, Carson Wentz, and the offense started getting into much more rhythm. And they and they uh, were able to make it a one-score game, a seven-point game there at one point in the second half. And so then what started to happen? The crowd became really quiet. Everybody online became really nervous. People were like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen here? Which way this time are the Detroit Lions going to lose? And that's indicative of the same old Lions mentality. And Jared Goff was asked about it. Like, at this point in time, how does it feel? You know, you're making strides, you're making waves, and you're still, you know, within a one-score game. But that's the National Football League. There are talented players on the other side. But at this point in time, the narrative of same old Lions is something the team doesn't really look at at this point in time. A lot of the players are new. They understand the history. They understand the passion of the fan base. They understand 
the strong desire that everybody has for this football team to do well. But Jared Goff said, I think the whole that whole narrative that you're talking about, we're not talking about it, so I don't know if you guys should either, Goff told uh, Gator and Anderson on the Midday Show. I know I'm busting your balls a little bit, but it's not how we feel about anything around here. And I think that that's something to really look at. Um, prior, Goff said, you guys got to stop talking like that. You got to stop putting that in the air. It is real interesting because Dan Campbell had said he's embracing same old lines. He's talked to the team about it. He understands there's there's a lot of indications, a lot of reminders that the football team has not won a division in the, this decade. There's a lot of indications the team has not won a playoff game this decade. There's a lot of indications this football team has not had success. Anytime the Lions get in a close football game or experience a lead, People wait to see, okay, who's going to drop the football? Who's going to fumble it? Who's going to make the key error that results in the momentum being turned around? And many also look to the officials. How are the officials going to screw the Lions this time? How are the Lions going to find a way to lose? And that's been the mindset. And it's a very fascinating mindset. And I understand it in so many dynamics and psychological and an understanding of how people's mindset are with this football team. They're still at one and one is still a heavy level of distrust that this football team has turned the corner. Now, are there, is it time right now to anoint this football team as, has arrived? No, you have a key game this weekend that we'll preview a little bit later on against the Vikings on the road, which will be an indication of where this football team is at, especially with the Vikings playing not not their best football on Monday Night Football on the grand stage, they their mindset might be a little salty heading into the Sunday afternoon game. But for the Detroit Lions, at least it's fair to say that the way in which this whole situation, this whole rebuild is being orchestrated, it points to a football team that's not the same old Lions. Now, what would the same old Lions have done? The same old Lions would have lost to the Commanders. The same old Lions would have completely collapsed under the pressure and would have let the commanders just roll away in the second half and take the and take the lead. What did the what did the Detroit Lions actually do on Sunday at Four Field in front of their fans? The commanders bring it to within seven. The next play is a trick handoff to Amonra St. Brown, who runs for over 55 yards, which was set up nicely through motions done in the first half. It was a play that was set up to indicate that nobody knew Amonra was getting the ball because Amonra told us, told the media after the game downstairs in the locker room and downstairs in in the media area. He said that we had used motions a lot and I never got the ball. So he conditioned the defense to kind of just assume that when when he goes in motion, he's not getting the football. And then boom, they strike. That is high level coaching. That is high level using plays in the first half to disguise what you're doing in the second half. And what did we complain about? What was Doc and Jock on the Detroit Sports Podcast Network ranting and raving about all last year in the early parts with Anthony Lynn? This offense is too predictable. Run, run, pass. Run, run, not being able to execute on third down. Far too predictable on so many levels that it became nauseating. And quickly, the blessing is that Dan Campbell recognized it, that this offense is not resembling in any fashion how I want to operate. And so the move was made. Ben Johnson took over the passing game, and he had an elevated rule. Anthony Lynn's play-calling duties were stripped. And then instantly, 
the offense became more aggressive. But you do have to credit Anthony Lynn for the establishment of that run game because it was something that started to pick up steam and the play of the offensive line also under uh, Anthony Lynn also had an opportunity to grow along with the offensive line coach, Hank Fraley, who also deserves a lot of a lot of credit. So the offense has been quite the story the first couple weeks, and it's an offense that deserves so much credit when you talk about how it's built. Now, of course, it's easier to build an NFL offense. The game is suited for offensive plays to be made. There's a lot of great offensive minds. The, the defenses, while there are still some great defenses in regards to the Steelers, the Patriots, and those that commit to playing defense, it's, it's a, this league right now is just not tailored for anybody to play solid defense. But it's good in regards to the fact that the Detroit Lions are trying to pressure more. They're trying to do the things that they can do to weather the storm. And if it's going to require this football team to be able to score a bunch of points to overcome what they got on defense, then so be it. That's the best way to look at it. Ben Johnson, so creative. It's not the same old Lions. It's not. It's a different football team. It's a different makeup, different ownership, different um, a different general manager, different head coach, a new philosophy. Now, will there be mistakes? Guys, this is a very young football team, and it's a football team that's still acquiring and building talent. But right now, as we sit here, as I'm recording this podcast, you can name off five cornerstone pieces that you expect to be here and produce on offense and defense. You got Aiden Hutchinson, Malcolm Rodriguez, DeAndre Swift. You got Amonra St. Brown, and you have Panay Sewell. That's five just off the top of my head that are going to be contributors here for a long period of time. And now you got to continue to add. You got to continue to complement the offense that you have. You got to continue to grow and learn with this young talent. But boy, when you saw how that team came out, there was energy, there was passion, there was a relentless pressure on Carson Wentz, which allowed for a sack fumble, a safety, a lot of positive, uh, a lot of positive aggression with the offense. Now you may or you may not agree or uh, be completely satisfied with the execution on fourth down with onside kicks and things like that, but unrelenting, Dan Campbell and Ben Johnson are not going to be the same old Lions, which are when they when they have a lead, just run the football out. No, they were passing the ball with the lead, and they were passing at a high clip, which leads everybody to be looking at this football team completely differently. I am, of course, there are going to be mistakes. There's going to be struggles in the secondary. There's going to be issues with tackling at times. There's going to be you know certain times when opposing offenses are able to exploit certain weaknesses at linebacker and in coverage. That's the way the game is. Great offensive minds right now have an edge over great defensive minds. That's my opinion when you look at it. And so that's why I think you can start to put the SOL narrative to bed. It's not the same old line. This is completely different. This is a football team that's committed to being gritty, that's committed to doing the things that are winning, they're going to overcome their weaknesses. They're going to be able to, on, on any given Sunday, I think they're going to compete. Now, are they going to walk away with a lot more victories? That's yet to be determined, but I think the prediction of six to eight wins is very fair. You think when you look at the Detroit Lions team, there are players that can compete at the highest levels. Now, can they walk away with victories? Are they a complete team yet? No, you have to just add a couple more pieces on defense, two to three more in regards to a linebacker along the defensive line and depth 
in the interior of the defensive line. You need to upgrade. But besides that, offensively, how can you look at that team and tell yourself, oh my gosh, same old Lions. That team scored over 30 points offensively. It's an explo- I mean, you, you're seeing Ben Johnson being willing to call trick plays. You're, you're seeing Jared Goff wing it deep. Now, the part that stinks is that the execution of the deep plays hasn't been there, but there's still been quality plays, yards after the catch, Amonra St. Brown, DeAndre Swift. There has been explosive plays. But I think right now, for those that say and, and get nervous, put that aside a little bit. Have a little bit more hope as opposed to the fear that you have that there's always going to be a collapse. That's yet to be seen yet. The, the Lions have yet to kind of have a, a really massive lead of two touchdowns or more and then just completely collapse. Other teams are going to play well. And it's just one of those things in the National Football League. You Very rarely do you just go out there and dominate a football team. That's why a nine-point victory over the Commanders at home sticks out because a lot of the games with the Detroit Lions are going to be close. But a lot of these players... I think when you bring up the SOL, they just kind of, while they embrace it, they talk about it, it just kind of is one of those phrases that just kind of takes the air out of the room because it just kind of harkens back to all the tough losses, all the bad memories, all the mistakes that have been made by this organization, all the bad draft picks, all the mistakes, all the mistaken judgments in regards to talent that could have been here but ended up on other teams because general managers couldn't figure it out. When have you heard, okay, for those of you that are sticking as, as much as possible to SOL, when have you heard a player on the Detroit Lions roster being discussed as a steal of a draft, of an entire draft? I haven't heard that in decades. A player that was drafted in the later rounds in a Monroe St. Brown in the fourth round of the 2021 NFL draft being talked about as the steal of the entire draft. Dude's breaking records. Dude's got the right mentality. Dude's got a father that is just like, don't you dare drink water. Drink your own spit. Get out there and don't even talk to each other. Any words used here is a distraction for you boys. Having multiple sons in the National Football League, having two young men that are in the prime of their careers and that are doing great things athletically with their physiques. Boy, was I impressed with the way in which their their dad kind of took it. Now, of course, look, man, let the boys drink some water. I mean, come on. They are young athletes and they're doing their thing. Let them talk a little bit. But the mentality, all business, let's go, get to work, that any time spent talking is a distraction. Mr. Universe is not messing around. And when you see a Monra, like I said, I've said it many times, when you see his mentality, what a great opportunity it is for him to shine in Detroit. Hardworking mentality and a guy that feels slighted. He is a player that at the drop of a hat will tell you every, each and every wide receiver drafted ahead of him. And boy, are his stats spectacular compared to his colleagues, those that were drafted in front of him. I think I read that his numbers outshine each and every one of the receivers drafted ahead of him combined in terms of receiving yardage. Steal of the draft. When do, do you get an opportunity to talk like that in regards to the Detroit Lions? When? Tell me. When do we talk about someone being the steal of the draft? I mean, we made at All Lions and at Detroit Sports Podcast, we made a bit out of talking about all the draft picks that could have been on this team that you could have, that you could have had, but you chose something else. Year after year, the redrafts are the most popular thing in Detroit where people want to know who we could have gotten. Well, nobody's talking about the fourth round pick 
from 2021. The entire draft has been pretty solid the last couple years. Now, the second round, you can point to a little bit as a reminder that, hey, there's still uh, an issue at hand that reminds people of the past in terms of second round talent not being able to produce in Levi Onzerike last year and Josh Pascal this year. But Brad Holmes, everyone is playing the long game, meaning he could have went out and listened to me and been like, hey, bring in some free agents, bring in this guy, bring in that guy. I just wanted to bring in a linebacker that could actually have some impact. But maybe he did in the sixth round and Malcolm Rodriguez through the first couple of weeks, he's getting a lot of run out there along with Chris Board. So maybe it's not the same old Lions. Maybe it's not the flash and dash and, and, and signing super high price free agents. Maybe it's maybe let's take a serious look at how this team is being built. Not the most talented team, but a team that buys in completely to the philosophy that the coaching staff wants. And you got to also take a look at this coaching staff completely constructed in a way that would foster a team going balls to the wall each and every week. You look at the vibe in the locker room. You look at the players, the coaches. It is a team that is led by, in terms of the coaching staff, former players that had the highest level of success. Deuce Staley, Antoine randall Mark Brunel, Hank Fraley, Aaron Glenn. You look at the situations in which players feel comfortable. I mean, Isaiah Bugs damn near can't stop uh, getting on his phone and tweeting, I love it in Detroit. I want to stay. Aaron Glenn told us, now I get it. You get an opportunity and you have this, <laughs> This I, hopefully maybe uh, I'm going to go in the locker room the next couple of days. I might chat it up with the big fella and just say, look, what's going on here with all this love online? Every time we turn around, Isaiah Bugs is tweeting out, I love Detroit. I love it here. And, and, and look, that's another sign that SOL is in the rear view mirror. Players love it here. They're talking and and really enjoying the experience because they're treated like men. They're given an opportunity and they feel like the coaching staff, which are players, former players, that you have a fair shake, that you're not going to BS a former player in regards to your effort and performance, that they believe that, hey, okay, whatever it is I do is going to be treated and evaluated fairly. And so for that, I think that's why we can start to kind of put SOL in the rearview mirror and start talking about something different in regards to the play of this football team. And I think this group might be the one that maybe permanently puts SOL in the rearview mirror. And it starts this week. It starts, how do you handle success? How do you handle when you come off of a great victory? What do you do this week? How's your preparation? How is your mindset? How do you play on the road against a football team that's going to be desperate? The Minnesota Vikings were manhandled in several areas against the Eagles. You had a team, and it's really interesting to look at Kirk Cousins and his play on primetime. He just, for whatever reason, when the primetime lights hit, it's just the matchups, it's just the performance just doesn't stack up. But by and large, Kirk Cousins has had success offensively against the Lions in regards to the play action, finding his receivers, taking advantage of mismatches with Thielen and Justin Jefferson. So you got to find the avenues that you did last year that produced that first victory against the Minnesota Vikings. Obviously, the Vikings are going to look to avenge that last game where Amonra St. Brown gets into the end zone in a play that still haunts the Vikings and still leaves a lot of people scratching their heads. How do you leave Amonra St. Brown that wide open at that point in the year? Now, you're going to have two games in which the Vikings can understand your tape. They can see what you're about. They can see 
how the formations are starting to emerge. And so this Detroit Lions team now has to take advantage of what they are able to accomplish. And here's the blessing, guys. Here's another reason before we get fully into this recap here and uh, preview of the Lions and the Vikings. The Lions had three members of their interior offensive line hurt. Three. There's five members of the offensive line. Not one, not two, but three members of your offensive line are not there. And you're and you're replacing them with Dan Skipper, Evan Brown, and Logan Stenberg. So once that gets announced, everybody's panic level raises, including mine. I'm like, oh, this is bad. And then on top of that, Amani Arawarie's out. Remember, I did predict it all Lions. If you read it daily, which you should, NFL highlights, analysis, videos, you should visit that place every day. Announced that Amani Arawarie is not playing. I'm like, man, my prediction of the Lions winning here sounds crazy. Four key members of the team are not there. What happened? The Lions still held on. They got the W. That is a true indication of a change with this organization. A mindset of, hey, we can bring in a system and different players can come in and still succeed. Not the same old Lions. So now it's incumbent upon this group to be able to have success this weekend. What can they do? They can even play better offensively. Jared Goff told Carson Anderson on 97 won the ticket. He told them, we are still leaving points on the board. We can drop 50 points on our first two opponents, and we didn't do it. Look what can still happen, which is crazy to think about. For the Lions to have success, you still got to have those explosive plays. You got to have DeAndre Swift getting open. You got to have those holes continuing to be created by the offensive line. Hopefully, maybe we get a great update this week on Frank Ragnow and Jonah Jackson. We get an update on uh, Big V. Obviously, he's on injured reserve, not going to be there, but hopefully with his progression, he can get back in the second half of the year. Offensively, you are clicking and scoring points with Amonra St. Brown, with Josh Reynolds, who are in fuego, in sync with Jared Goff. You still have two members of your offense still not clicking with Jared Goff. Can you imagine? This is the week DJ Chark gets off the schneid a little bit and connects more with Jared Goff. TJ Hawkinson can be used more in this contest. Get there over the middle, yards after the catch. You got to take advantage of the full complement of your weapons offensively. And I think that's a challenge. I like it that this offense is not happy. They're not happy that they left points on the board. Dan Campbell is emphasizing it. You guys are leaving points on the table. This offense has been rolling without two of their key members performing. DJ Chark, $10 million free agent signing. Dude has speed. He had the ball in his hands. He had it in his bread basket. Just couldn't be just couldn't finish the play on that great trick play. I believe it was Craig Reynolds tossed the ball back to Goff who launched it into the end zone perfectly. Got the commanders off guard, but Chark just couldn't come down with it. Oh, it was it would have been a great trick play that would have erupted the house. And then the question that kind of has permeated kind of Detroit a little bit based on PFF grades. TJ Hawkinson struggling with ball security, struggling with securing catches, not graded well against the commanders. And, you know, in a contract year, you would expect him to do a little bit more. But some inside scoop knowledge, you know, um, Ben Johnson and Dan Campbell have talked about the play of the tight ends. And they said that most play designs, most, are not called for tight ends. And in Detroit, you can tell that the majority of the play calls, the number one is going to be Amonra or Josh Reynolds or DJ Chark. It's going to be one of those three. 
And then you still got an offensive weapon waiting in the wings in Jamison Williams that's going to start commanding a lot of targets as he gets his feet under him and he gets going. You know you have a lot of plethora of weapons along with Swift out of the backfield. So for TJ Hawkinson, when his number is called, he's got to be able to make the play and avoid the the mistake in terms of penalties and maximizing his play out there, meaning that when he gets the ball, he's got to find a way to get upfield, just secure those three, four extra yards that his big frame can handle those drops, those missed opportunities, those uh, opportunities when you're not getting the attention. Got to be taken advantage of by TJ Hawkinson to turn the tide. Think about that, guys. Think about that. The Detroit Lions offense has been able to shine, score over 30 points in two games, and you still don't have Hawkinson and DJ Chark fully in rhythm with Jared Goff. Think about that. Now, something that also, when you watch the film, you realize not the same old Lions, at least against the Commanders. In years past, any mistake that the Lions made would have been punitive at the highest level. Jared Goff made mistakes on Sunday. He dang near threw two interceptions. Did it happen? No. Some luck, finally a little bit of luck, was bestowed on the Detroit Lions. They were not picks. I mean, one, I believe, really was right there was such a bad, poor decision that it should have been picked off, but it wasn't. Same old Lions would have been picked off, would have been a momentum turner, would have been the end of the Lions' good luck. No, this time around, football hit the ground. Goff was able to avoid, you know, having the big mistake come and haunt the team. But you can't play with fire. Jared Goff knows, and this is the, and, and the reason why people debate Jared Goff, and you saw last week people discussing Lamar Jackson, you saw why people get upset. Because when Jared Goff's on, he's good. But in a playoff game, you make that mistake in a versus a playoff team, that ball's getting intercepted. That's not getting dropped. Matthew Stafford got the ultimate luck in the playoffs where the 49ers' safety just drops the football. That game should have been done. Stafford should have been eliminated. But Goff, I think that's probably why he started to get out of favor with the Rams was because he ended up being a turnover machine. The dude ran a prolific offense, but at times with his ball security and and inability to escape pressure, the football was hitting the ground at such a high clip that's just going to infuriate any head coach and any fan base, the turnover rate that he had. Now in Detroit has been able to limit it, obviously had a pick six that really, you know, you look at week one, that really uh, got the Eagles momentum rolling. Game two, a lot better, a lot more proficient. So that's why I think, when the seven-point spread was opened up, seven and a half points, I think that's far too much. I think this game is going to be close. The Lions offense is going to carry this team. When can you say that? When can you say that this offense can be that explosive, that prolific, and you can have some confidence that, you know what? Go ahead, try and stop them. It's coming. And I think that with the combination of Swift and Jamal Williams running behind that offensive line that, that that's talented, credit to Hank Fraley, for putting together a scheme and a system and a blocking scheme that just allows for holes to be created for these running backs. When you have wide receivers that can take the top off, at least the threat of taking the top off, now you have a football team that is not predictable offensively. You don't know what's going to happen. Is it going to be a play action? Is it going to be a pass out of the backfield to Swift? Is it going to be to Williams? Is Amonra St. Brown going to be in the slot, inside, outside? How are you going to attack that? You have Josh Reynolds. We haven't even spent, I spent 28 minutes talking about the Lions offense and we haven't even talked about Josh Reynolds, who's the ultimate pro. 
really nice individual, really open-minded, kind enough to always give all Lions an opportunity to talk to him about football when we've gone up and approached him. This player can also extend plays and can be a factor should the Vikings try and target Amonra St. Brown and Swift. Look at Josh Reynolds. The guy knows where he needs to be, understands what he's got to do, and is a willing blocker. Shark is a willing blocker. Amonra is a willing blocker. More offensive plays, more explosive plays are bound to happen. As I'm talking, I I have a feeling it's going to be a win. I, I just think that I look at the Vikings and they're right for the taking if the Lions can go execute. Now, would I be surprised if it's the other way around? No. The Vikings always tend to show up following a loss and they play well. They're just a pesky football team that just does everything just right. And when you have a superstar, you got to be disc- you can't discount the impact of Justin Jefferson. But I like what the Lions can do. And you have to assume that this defense is going to want to improve upon their sloppy play in the second half. So I'm saying it. It's not the same old Lions. This football team gets a 2-1 and one and will have an opportunity to have a lot of success this year. Will there be games where they look out of sorts and are just out-talented? Yes. But this football team, I think, is going to compete, is going to be in a lot of one-score games. And I think this week, week two, book it. All Lions says, Lions go to Minnesota, and they play at a super high clip, and they play really, really well. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into the All Lions podcast. I appreciate the 30 minutes that you give me. I appreciate the many of you who support All Lions, the videos, the content, the analysis, the great opinions by Vito Churko and Christian Buher, the daily analysis by myself being there at All Lions, uh, being there at the Lions facility. Every day is possible that I can be there inside Allen Park to give you guys all the content that you deserve, the greatest sports fan base in the country. I'm John Macaroon. Thanks, everybody. Make sure you tune in to All Lions for all your Detroit Lions news, analysis, and highlights.